Joshua chapter 24, if you'll turn there if you would. I don't think this is any brand new news flash, but commitment is not in vogue today, to say the least. Life today is all about personal choices, setting your own course, doing it at your own pace. Today's mantra is, whatever makes me feel good meets all my basic needs. As one author said this week, I read, life is all about unfettered freedom, keeping your options open, not locking down or locking in to anyone or anything, especially in the long term. And this has become very obvious, and one of the ways it's become obvious is our approach to a a marriage in this country. Husbands to wives and wives to husbands, less commitment in marriage than perhaps ever before. And the reason is, is because commitment is only good as long as it is convenient. It works as long as it is comfortable for us. To add to that, commitment to one's church is even less popular than staying faithful to your spouse. Too often, even God's people's commitment to their church is similar to their marriage vows and that they are negotiable. If they don't like something that's taken place at the church or what someone has said, they find it very easily to move on down the road to a different church. This is even more true in some of the churches in our country today when it comes to attending church services. Many believers' commitment to the services of their local church is nothing short of superficial. And by that, They are not really faithful to multiple services. I would think if you ever travel abroad and go to other churches on a Sunday outside of our church, you'll find, not because we're better or more spiritual, but just a reality that there aren't many churches that have Sunday evening and Wednesday evening services anymore. And the reason is, is that nobody wanted to come to them. See, consider even people today, I I was reading that article, even considering coming to Sunday morning service even for many of God's people, is conditional. And then they listed some of the reasons why we don't come, even on Sunday mornings. If I can't go to the shore, if my favorite team isn't playing, if it's not cold, hot, or too wet outside, if I'm not too tired, if I don't have too many studies to do and get done or too much work to do for Monday, if the planets aren't aligned... No, I don't know how that got in there. Planets are aligned... If I can't get off the couch... Because I'm thinking that staying at home watching live stream equals church. I added that one. Too often, above all those, actually worse than our commitment to marriage and church and the services, is our commitment to God. Above all else, it is waning. In fact, at times, it is appalling. We're committed to God And these are things I've heard spoken to me in the past. Committed to God as long as he meets my needs, keep my marriage together, gives me good health and abundance of personal happiness. I'm glad to be committed. Make no mistake, if you read the entirety of Joshua 24, this is a text about commitment. Commitment to your biological family when Joshua says, as for me and my family. He was the leader in his home. Commitment to your faith family, because he was issuing this challenge to the nation of Israel, all the people who said that they followed and worshiped God. And so I offer that same 
to all of you today. Commitment, he says, most of all, about God and our worship and relationship to him. See, this, if you read the whole text, and I did this week, this is Joshua's last lecture before he dies. He's 110 years old, and with his final days, he wants to share some words with his people that he thinks is absolutely key for them to continue to find victory and success in the promised land. And that topic that he chooses, above all others, is commitment. Oh, but not just any kind of commitment. This is a specific commitment. It is a commitment to worship God only. See, in 24.1, it says that he called, in order to issue this commitment, he called everyone to Shechem. And that's no accident. He could have went to other places, but Here's why Joshua had everybody come to Shechem. You know why? It was the place that after God called Abraham from the Ur of Chaldees and made him into a worshiper of his glory, it was when he got to the promised land in Shechem that Abraham built an altar to God to worship him only. And it was there that God gave him the promises that he and his family and descendants would live in the land and they would fill them like the sand on the seashore. That happened at Shechem. Later, a couple generations later, Jacob would come and he would get his his life right with God. He would become committed to God only again. And he too would build an altar here. Because Shechem is the place in biblical history where you look at your life and you say, I need to worship him only and recommit myself to him. That's why... In the verses preceding our text, chapter 24, verses 2, all the way to 13, you're going to find 21 times, 21 times, Joshua writes a first personal singular pronoun using God as its subject. You say, well, what does that mean, Pastor Walker? Here's what it means, that God wanted to rehearse the history of Israel that got them to this place on this day. And here's how God does it. He wants to tell you what he did. And he uses the word I. Let me tell you some of the 21. I took Abraham. I led him. I made him offspring that were many. I gave Isaac. I sent Moses and Aaron. I, he says, plagued Egypt. I brought you to the land. I gave you into their, them into your hand. I destroyed your enemies before you. God, I led. I gave. I did. You know what God wants? 21 times. You know what he wants to get into their mind and into ours? That the only reason that you're standing in the land of promise today, Joshua says to his people, the only way that you're here and you have been, you had the victory over all these people and you live in their cities and the houses that they made and you enjoy all the things that they had, you got it all because here's why. My sovereign grace. Let me ask you. Has it ever occurred to you, look around this morning in your aisle if you're family, Has it ever occurred to you that the only reason that you're in church today is because of the sovereign grace of God in your life? See, do you you see everything in your own personal history, all the things that have taken place and how you got saved and and your spouse got saved and then your kids got saved and 
how it wasn't any ordinary circumstances for all that to take place. And the reason that you're forgiven today, that you're saved, and your wife and your kids or your spouse are sitting next to you in church today, and that you're here and you're interested in God, is all because of his grace. Have you ever considered that all that you are and all that you have and all that you ever hope for in the future is all because of God's commitment to you? Sermon in a sentence, ready? Your total commitment to God has to be the response of his total commitment to you. See, how did Israel respond when God repeated the history of his sovereign grace and how he gave them so many things, everything that they enjoyed? How did they respond? More importantly, perhaps, how will you and I respond to it? You see, this text is bracketed. In verse 14 of chapter 23 that begins the text I read, it says, now, therefore. It doesn't show it in the English, but it is the exact same word used again in verse 23, therefore. You see, you know what the therefores are all about? It's them responding to all the grace God has lavished on them. See, God says, you're sitting here today and you have absorbed the fact that I let you live in America, that I brought you grace and kindness, that I opened your heart to your sin and I revealed that you needed me and I saved you and I saved your family and I saved the people in your life. He wants to say, what is your therefore? How have you responded to it? See, what does it look like in your life and mine, when we are totally committed to the God who has poured out his grace and abundance on us, what would it look like? Well, let me start off with an obvious truth this morning. You know what it looks like? It looks like a personal decision. In verses 14 and 15, you see what he says? I don't know what everyone else is going to do. I'm going to lay the options out there for you, but I can tell you what I'm going to do, Joshua says. See, he's not moved by people or circumstances. He doesn't care whether his decision is popular or not. Here's what he says. I know what I'm going to do. Me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's a decision that I'm making. See, with Joshua, and it has to be with us, when you're totally committed to God, there is no neutrality. There is no straddling the fence. There is no middle ground. Two options, and two options alone are possible. God or idols. So he says, choose you, choose you. It's a day of decision. Do you realize in God's providence that he brought you here this morning as individuals or as a family because this is the day of decision for you and for your family? Everyone in this auditorium this morning, everyone is totally committed to someone or something. Joshua said, I'm going to make it very clear what mine is. And you say, well, Pastor Walker, I love God. I don't know if I want to be. See, listen to this. Indecision is a decision. It is. And there's been too many dads who lead their families who've been sitting and really not ever making the decision because indecision is a, is a decision. And you have decided to not really be totally committed to God, that your mediocrity and casual approach is what you'll take and you, you'll teach your family and your children for Joshua, it is all or nothing, black or white, yes or no. It's a call. And this call to commitment should be like a decision that Martha Luther made when he stood before the Diet of Worms. I cannot and will not recant. He said, salvation is all by grace through faith. 
not of works. He says, I cannot recant. I will not. Here I stand. I can do no other. He says, I know this may cost my life. I choose the truth. Eric Liddell, before the 1924 Olympics, the number one athlete in the world on his events and track, he says, I will not run for my country on Sunday. I will not run. They made decisions, decisions that perhaps nobody else was willing to make, but see, they lived by a conviction and a principle. They knew what mattered most, and it was God. So what would your decision and my decision, what would it involve? You see, if you're not really totally committed to God, and it's kind of an iffy thing for you, and you come and go a little bit, what would it mean, and what would it look like, and what would your decision involve if you were totally committed to God in your life or in your family? It would have two components. The first one is this. It would be a single-focused decision, a single-focused decision. Notice in the text, and let this sink deep this morning, really. Joshua calls what kind of people to be totally committed? These are all the people that fought all the battles. These are the people who have obeyed the truth and have not been judged or punished by God in any way. These are the people who have been faithful through the wilderness. These are the people who for 40 years have stuck with the stuff. It is to these people, the people that fill the church on Sunday morning. These are the modern people, we'd say, who read their Bible and they pray and they come to the church. To these people who seem and look like they are committed, he says to them, choose you this day whom you will serve. 21st century, it would sound like this. If your friends are God... Serve them. If your phone is God, serve it. If sports saved you from your sins, then you better serve sports. If your grades are going to make it ha you happy in life and give you what you're really looking for, then serve grades. If going to the movies or parties are what give you purpose and meaning in life, then you better serve them. But if Jesus Christ is God, you better serve him. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a preacher of the previous century in, in London. And he was known for his frank speech in the pulpit. Here's what he told his congregation on a Sunday morning, and I quote, I don't, care, don't come here if you honestly feel you could do better elsewhere. Unless you feel that something is being offered and given to you here which no other institution can offer or equal, well then, in the name of heaven, get out into the countryside and the seaside and find it. All I ask of you is to be consistent. In other words, Lloyd-Jones was saying this, if you're faking it, just don't show up. It's a single-minded focus. I have found over the years as a pastor that it's easy to get people interested in Jesus, and it's easier than that to make emotional decisions. But you know what's really hard and what most people struggle with? Sticking with Jesus. No matter what happens, day after day, week after week, year after year. See, God wants your total commitment decision to him have a singular focus, that you will be devoted and committed to him personally and only above all other things. But Joshua's not done. He says, if you really want to make a decision that, of total commitment to God, it will not only have a singular focus, 
But the second component will be that it will be serious. And may I say drop dead serious. If you want to, and he says this candidly to them, if you really want to be committed to God, here's what you have to do. And he uses this verb twice. Once in verse 14, look in your text in verse 23. It's the little verb, put away. Now, how is it possible after all of these years going through the wilderness and God bringing them here, they've gone through the promised land, right? And they've had all the victories. And yet there might be idols still hanging around in their midst. He says, you got to get rid of them. Listen, all of them. You know what Joshua is saying to Israel and to us? God's not looking for a total commitment verbal package. He doesn't just want to hear your commitment. He wants to see it. See, he wants to see it in your life when you could do other things, when you could put other things more important to him. See, he doesn't want to hear, oh, Pastor Walker, oh, oh Lord, I want to be committed. I'm really committed. He's, he says, don't just show me words. Show me by your walk. Show me by the choices you make. Show me by the priorities you have. I tell my kids all the time growing up, no matter what happens in your life, it is an opportunity to communicate God's infinite value and worth. And every time you have a choice where you could do this, but you choose God, you are showing exactly how much he means to you. But I think Joshua is concerned, and rightfully so, pastors, leaders are. His concern is, I think Israel might be a little bit too casual in their response to total commitment. Because there's a weird thing that takes place in this text. He tells them, you got to put away these gods, and you got to serve the Lord And here's what they say, and we will, we will serve the Lord. He's the one who brought us out of Egypt. He's the one who did all this. And listen, if you read the verses of 16 through 18, they say all the right things. They've been in church. (laughs) They know what the pastor's looking for. They know what the Bible says. They have the vocabulary. They understand what should be said. And Joshua says this, I'm not sure I totally believe you. I want to do this. Here's what Joshua says. He says, you are not able to serve the Lord. And they say, what? Did we just not tell you that we would? Don't we recognize his grace and all that he did? And now you're saying to us, you can't serve the Lord? He he says, I want to make this crystal clear. Let me repeat it to you. Let me tell you what will happen if you are shallow and superficial in your content of your words. Do you hear what he says? God won't forgive your sins. All the calamity they brought on the other nations, he will bring back on you. God is a holy God. He is a jealous God. And he will not let you be committed to him and other things equally or at the same time in the same way. So he challenges them. He wants them to say this. This isn't some casual decision I'm looking for you. So you tip your hat to God and say, hey, I, you got it. You're God. I get it. It's not something that you could ignore later, thinking that there won't be any consequences, Joshua says, because there will be. And so many times, perhaps some of God's people, we come to church only on Sunday morning, and we tip our hat to God, and we acknowledge that he's God, but that's about as far as it goes. 
Him being God and totally committed to him doesn't alter many, if not most, of our decisions about life, about money, about time, about sex, about what we watch on TV, the music, how we dress. It really doesn't. But we do tip our hat to him on Sunday morning because we don't want to act like we're going to completely ignore God. We would never want that. Have you ever noticed this little exegetical point in Joshua? The famous verses in chapter 1, which we're all familiar, be strong and courageous. Remember that phrase? It's all over chapter 1. Before they ever get into the fights, before they ever get into the battles, four times, chapter 1, verse 6, 7, 9, 18. I mean, four times in one chapter, before they ever fight a battle. Here's what he says. You will need to be strong and courageous. Committed to me, he's saying. We shouldn't be totally surprised that in the middle of the book, in chapter 10 and verse 23, that statement, be strong and courageous, is mentioned again. And they still have a lot of battles to go. So before they start, we get it. In the middle of the battles, we get it. But you know what the crazy thing is about the book of Joshua? In the very last, next to last chapter, in 23.6, he says it again. But the weird thing is that all the battles are already over. They already defeated all the enemies. In fact, the verse says, and God gave them rest. There is no more conflict. They've been, they have peace, finally. So why? Why the need for the exhortation one last time, be strong and courageous? You know why? Here's why. Because Joshua wants his people to know and he wants us to know. Did you know the most difficult battles and some of the greatest conflicts that you'll ever face are not external They're internal. They're not the enemies that you normally would think of. It's not the things on the internet, although they are. It's not your boss. It's not your neighbor. It's not the people in your life that give you a hassle. See, we all think that those are the greatest battles. But here's what Joshua says. You know what? You need to be strong and courageous and made a choice to do it because your greatest battle is on the inside. It's internal. See, that's what he wanted them to know. Because inside will determine whether you are completely committed to God or not. You know this truth. There's a big difference between casual commitment and complete commitment. We know the difference because there are a lot of people in this room this morning who are highly committed in other areas of your life. But for some reason, some reason you're not highly committed to God. I've heard it said we can be workaholics at our jobs, but then we say out of the same mouth that the Christian life is a little bit too much work. We pursue physical exercise, we buy gym memberships, we work out, we buy clothes, shoes, take time, get up early before work, which is really early for some. We spend a lot of time and energy, but then we say following Jesus is too demanding. We can be incredibly disciplined with our diets, things we will and will not eat, and we say, oh, everybody else can eat that. I'm not eating that. And we, and we do that with our own educational pursuits. Stay up late, extra classes, go to school at night, and then we complain that somehow Christian growth requires too much of my time and money in life. Young people in our world, they plan for everything in the future, Career, marriage, retirement, but somehow they decide that when it comes to commitment to God, that can wait until they're older. See, here's what the problem is. We think that our battles, our greatest ones, are on the outside. 
but they're really on the inside. And that's why if you look at chapter 24 and verse 23, for the second time, he uses that verb I mentioned, put away. But notice what he says this time around. Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Ready? Underline it. And incline your heart. Incline your heart. Without a doubt, I wrote in my notes, Joshua is telling Israel and us this morning that our main problem is not a military issue. It's a heart issue. It's an idolatry issue. See, put away, it says. It's the inside battle that we don't give much time to. And and we do it to our own detriment. You know why? Because idolatry is the root cause of a lack of commitment. I'm going to say it again. Listen. Idolatry is the root cause of a lack of commitment. If you cannot and will not choose to make God your number one priority, to be here and to be faithful and to serve and to live for the Lord, there is an idolatry problem somewhere without a doubt. What is idolatry? It's desiring something so much that you lose your commitment to God. Something has taken his place. Idolatry is just a nice way of saying I have a divided heart that I really can't decide between two gods, God and God and my girlfriend, God and money, God and you name it. It's believing that Christ is not altogether adequate, that you have to add something more to him to really satisfy your soul. And so I need an event, I need an experience, I need a possession, I need something that God cannot provide for me. And we believe that. And so we pursue it. And our commitment dwindles. We grant things in our lives an elevated position. And as one author said this week I read, we begin to, listen, deify them. See what Joshua was saying? Put away the gods, the things that you deify, the things that you live for, the thing that you bow down to. See, there are people who would rather miss the, gym, God, the church than to miss the gym, to miss their favorite program in a series on TV. The superficiality and the casual levels of commitment. See, Joshua wouldn't allow his people to settle for lowest common denominator commitment. He wanted them to be committed in a way that was worthy and deserving of the sacrifice and the grace that God had lavished on us. Last Sunday was Easter and we spoke about Jesus' death on the cross. And we mainly thought about how that relates to people who don't know him. This week is about the personal history that we have and the grace he's shown us for all the people who do know him. Does it move you still? Is it only on Easter Sunday? Or how about the next Sunday? How about the next Sunday? You know what's so hard about Joshua's challenge? He says this, choose you this day. But you know it was more than that. Because this day meant starting today. See, that's the hard part, isn't it? You know why I know it was hard? Read the book of Judges. 
It follows Joshua. And you know what the whole story of Judges is? Israel in and out of idolatry. Because they would not make a real total commitment. They were judged and punished, had all kinds of problems, just like perhaps you are this morning. Perhaps that's why you're here, because you're coming back. I had people tell me over Easter, it's good to be here. I need to put God back in my life as if somehow he was a commodity. See, here's what Joshua says. Some of you this morning, you don't come to services. And the reason is because, if you're honest, you worship your own personal comfort and convenience. You have deified your personal pleasures. You have put them up above on a pedestal above God, including your own money and how you spend it and the energy you have and what your priorities are. See, those are the things that you think will satisfy your soul. And you won't commit to worshiping him regularly. You won't commit to serving him. You won't commit to being in a D group or a small group. And the reason is, or could be, is that you are not living and loving God because you're living and loving yourself. Those are hard words to hear. But can I tell you this? Easter demands nothing less. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as we sing it from the hymn book, demands my soul, my life, my all. Know this, the alternative to commitment to God is idolatry. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Last Sunday, the invitation was mainly for those who did not know Jesus, who do not. This Sunday is for God's people. Do we really believe the sacrifice of Calvary? Do we really understand what it took for him to lavish the grace that he's given to you and your spouse and your children and your family? Do you understand that you're sitting here this morning and your family is sitting next to you, perhaps if that's true, all by grace? Let me ask you, is he worthy of more than what you do and give? What does your life communicate about his infinite value and worth? Perhaps you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. And there are some dads here who need to say with Joshua, starting today, I choose this day that me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, not a casual commitment, a complete one. And perhaps in saying so, you don't even know what all the changes would mean. You're not even sure how they're going to all pan out. But here's what you do know today. We need to be completely committed to God because we are not. 
We have not responded to the richness of his grace in the way that he deserves. But as of today, by his grace, we will. Are there any dads here this morning would say, Pastor Walker, starting today, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you just raise your hand and I'll pray for you as I close in just a few moments. Main floor, the balcony. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? If you're a Christian here this morning and you are a believer and you know about the sacrifice Jesus made, but you know what it cost him, can I ask you humbly, are you totally committed? I mean, really. Are there idols that you know take precedence over him that you need to put them away? You need to put them away. See, he's asked you once, and he brought you here today. You know why? He repeated it to you, because he doesn't know for sure whether you're casual or not. He wants to know, will you really be committed to me in a way that's worthy of what I've done for you? Will there be any Christians here this morning who would say, Pastor Walker, there are some things in my life that definitely have to change, some things I really need to get a grip on and change by his grace. And by his grace, I want to say individually today, as today, I choose that I will serve the Lord. If that is your heart cry, would you raise your hand and I'll pray for you as well in a moment when we close. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, the balcony. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray and sing as we close. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for your word. It's a strong word because we need to be strong and courageous. We live in a world that wants to destroy our commitment to you every single day. And they offer so many alternatives of things that we could be committed to way more and above you. Things that are not worthy of you. Things that not even bad in and of themselves. Some of them are good things, but we've made them into God things. Forgive us. I pray for those dads who raised their hand a few moments ago, indicating that there needs to be a meeting today in the afternoon. There needs to be husbands and wives on their knees forgiving one another, praying for one another, getting with their kids, their teenagers, and asking forgiveness because they haven't really been committed. I pray for them today. I pray that you'll give them brokenness, humility, and strength to be strong and courageous for you. I pray for those individuals also who raised their hand briefly a few moments ago. They see the things that you pointed out in their lives. They're hearing your voice, as Joshua says. And they've heard you talk to their spirit and, and their hearts today. And you've revealed things in their lives that need to change. May you give them humility, brokenness, repentance, that they might change. Not just emotionally, not just for today, but may they choose this day and every day to serve the Lord. Father, you are worthy and deserving of that. Your son, Jesus, gave his life for that, I pray that that would move us as we respond to his grace even now. In Jesus' name, amen.